Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, verse 1, as, as I said, we've, we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit where we're learning about the important role that he, not it, the Holy Spirit is not an it, is a he, wants to play in our lives. And, and there's a lot of things about the Holy Spirit that are kind of unknown, that we're unsure of, that, we're, that are kind of hard to understand. And just so you know, that's been happening from the beginning of the birth of the new church. In fact, our verse here in Acts 19, it's a verse we looked at a few weeks ago, but it says this, while Paulus was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and I want you to notice that it was disciples. It wasn't just uh, um, Christians. It wasn't just people who had just made a, a decision to give their life to Christ. These are actually disciples, which, by the way, that's what God's called us to become, is a disciple, a follower of him, not just somebody who invites him into our life and then we go, okay, I'm done. He wants us to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, but he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered what a lot of people say today, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You see, even from the beginning in the New Testament church, there were disciples who didn't really know who the Holy Spirit was. And it's still that way today. There are disciples, even in this room today, followers of Jesus Christ. You love Jesus, you're going to heaven. All right? But yet they really don't know that much about the Holy Spirit. And what they do think they know creates a lot of fear and anxiety in their life. And that's why we're doing this series, because we want you to know who the Holy Spirit really is. We've always got to go back to the Word of God. We can't go by what other people say, by our perception or our perspective on things, but we've got to go by what the Word of God says. So what we're doing is we're taking some biblical truths that might not seem relevant and making sure that you understand that they actually are relevant to your life. Just so you know, Christianity is the most relevant thing in our society today. Amen? Amen. It, it's the thing that works in our life. It is not this thing that we kind of do on Sunday mornings from 11.15 to 1 o'clock, however long the service goes today. It, just kidding you. About 12.30. It's not something we kind of put on the shelf and we go, okay, that's, this is the God thing in my life. Now I actually want to go, go live my real life. It's actually relevant. It actually, the biblical truths that we're learning here, the things that, that we're understanding and growing in are things that work in the real world. You see, God's called you and I to fight the good fight of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So we hear the word of God, then we know how to go out and actually fight the good fight of faith. It's like we're training. It's like we're, we're, we're in the army and we're training. Listen, we live in a country that has the greatest military force in the world. We do. It's amazing how the technology we have, the, the amazing men and women that fight to defend this country. But let me tell you something. They don't go to boot camp and they just kind of sit around and drink coffee all the time and go, okay, let's go over now and fight the enemy. They train, they prepare so that they're ready to go out and fight the battle. So Christianity is relevant. That what I'm talking about on Sunday mornings is empowering you to walk in victory on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. In fact, it's every day that ends with a Y which is all of them, for those of you that aren't sure, every day that ends with a why, what we're talking about here is relevant for us today. So how we're making it relevant is we're redefining some terms so that our misunderstanding doesn't keep us from God's best for us. Have you ever noticed that the, the world keeps stealing all the good words? 
You know, I'm 53 years old, and, and sometimes my, my kids think that my, my jokes and my, my stories are a little outdated. It's okay. I'm, I can live with that. I did that same thing with my dad, and I understand now. You don't really care when you start to get older. You just like to say a joke, and it doesn't matter if anybody thinks it's funny or not. You're going to tell the same story over and over again. And there's sometimes that I say a word that in my generation was totally cool, but in today's generation, they're like, oh, dad, 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 please, you cannot say that. Right? How many of you remember what flip-flops used to be called? Don't say it out loud, right? You can't say that anymore, right? And so there's some words that the enemy has stolen from the church. And I say today, we're stealing them back. We are. We're going to start understanding what these words actually mean. Instead of letting the enemy define what these words mean, we're going to actually define what the Word of God. We're going to allow the Word of God to define what they mean. So the first week, we looked at the word, the Holy Spirit. Some translations say the Holy Ghost, and it was really hard for the Bible translator, but what it really means is that it's the wind in your sails. That's what the, what the Holy Spirit's about. It's the breath of God so that we understand that he is desiring to breathe fresh air into our lives all the time. Have you ever got stuck in a, in a confined space on a really hot day, and the air got real stale and nasty? Honestly, there are some people that they live like that all the time and they think that's the norm. And yet, because of the fact that you're a child of God, God wants to breathe his super into your natural and breathe fresh air where all of a sudden the ducting works now and suddenly it's the temperature that you like. About 67 degrees, right? Some of you are going, no, it's 72. So he wants to breathe fresh air into life. He's nothing to be afraid of. He's actually someone that we want to run to because your life can't be powered unless there's wind in your sails. In fact, what most Christians do is because they don't know the Holy Spirit, they spend a lot of time in their boat rowing. And they're rowing. And it works okay when things are calm. But when a storm comes up and the storm is against you, you are rowing and you are rowing and you are rowing and you're getting nowhere and you're wore out, you're beat up by life and you're going, there's got to be more to the Christian life than this. Let me give you the answer. There is. It's found in hoisting up your sail and letting the wind of the Holy Spirit take you where the Holy Spirit wants to take you. He wants to breathe fresh life into your life, but just so you know, he's not going to make you put up your sail. He's not. You're going to have to understand who he is and and lift that sail and allow him to put wind in your sail. That's how we're powered. Then last week we looked at another word that really kind of freaks people out. It's been kind of fun, honestly, to see some of y'all's reactions or hear you talk about it later. But it's the word Pentecost or, this one really freaks you out, Pentecostal. And it, it's one of those words that, that when you think of the word Pentecostal, a lot of you immediately go to thinking about makeup. Lots of makeup or no makeup at all? Ah, Pentecostal. You see them in the restaurant? Ah, Pentecostal. Or we think of wild services. We, we think of a service where, man, the music starts playing and people start running around all over the place acting crazy. They're doing somersaults and all kinds of things. Or they're bringing out snakes. And, oh, yeah, that's a Pentecostal service. Just so you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal. I have a Pentecostal heritage. And I, I've never seen a snake in a church ever in my life. But I have seen an expression of worship that I absolutely love. In fact, on Sunday mornings, you know, I'm standing up here. If you see me every once in a while, I like to lift my hands. Just biblical. It's what the Word of God teaches. Paul, Paul said, I pray that every man everywhere would lift up holy hands. Sometimes I start jumping up and down because I'm a little excited. Because listen, I'm not singing songs. 
I'm not being entertained by the band. I have not come during worship to, to be at a concert. I've come to remind myself about the goodness of my God. And I can't help it when I start singing about the goodness of God to my, just kind of get a little bouncing going. You know, whoa, whoa, all this kind of stuff happening. And it's just because I'm connecting with God's spirit moving in my life. Some of you have not felt the wind of the Holy Spirit in a long time. And I'm telling you, God wants to breathe fresh life into your life. So it's not about makeup. It's not about wild services. It's actually a word that's quite scary maybe to some of you. And it's this. It means 50. Ooh, grab the kids, right? Protect them out. It It literally means 50. And it was actually a Jewish holiday that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. The children of Israel, there was a Passover. The angel of death passed over the children of Israel when they were in bondage to Egypt. And because the blood was on the doorpost, the angel passed over them. They were taken out. 50 days later, the laws given. And so they celebrated Pentecost. It's a, it's a Jewish holiday. And the, the amazing thing is that the, the things that you see in the Old Testament, they're types and shadows of things that are actually going to take place in the New Testament. In fact, I said it this way last week, that in the Old Testament, it's Jesus concealed, but in the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. You begin to see Jesus in the different things, and Jesus, when he came, fulfilled and walked in both of those holidays. Passover, he was actually crucified on Passover, saved us. We got out of Egypt. We got out of bondage. We passed through the baptism into Red Sea. Fifty days later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Now that's not the law written on stone, but it's the law written on our hearts. That literally, because we walk with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is all the time writing his law on our hearts. And it changes following and living for Jesus from a have to to a get to. It's incredibly powerful. And he came as a fulfillment of these two things. So what I want to do today is I want to look at another word that some people are afraid of. And it's the word charismatic. All right, so kind of hold on to yourselves here a second. It's charismatic or charisma because it's another word that has a lot of negative, uh, creates a lot of negative um, thoughts and attitudes about the Holy Spirit. In in fact, there's a town uh, or a a church in our city that actually says we are a non-charismatic church. And, And I get that some people get nervous about that and people are a little bit fearful of that because to them, thinking of a charismatic church is the same thing. Wild services, snake handling, all right? But again, it's, it's not what it is. And I don't think that people are necessarily intentionally trying to reject the Holy Spirit. They're rejecting typically the way the Holy Spirit is presented. What they've seen, they, 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 they want to reject that or the way that some Christians act in church. But what we're going to find out today is the word doesn't have anything to do with snake handling, wild churches, or really weird things. All it has to do with is some gifts that God has for you. By the way, you ought to love receiving gifts from God. In fact, how many of you, be honest, you say, I really love to receive gifts. Can I see a show of hands? Oh, wow, good. We, we need to be excited about receiving gifts from God. If we know that he's good... If we know that he loves us with an everlasting love, if we believe that he's designed and created us, then we want the gifts that he wants to put into our life. Would you agree with that today? So God has three gifts for you today. And the first gift that he has for you is the gift of eternal life. 
And it's a gift that God offers to every person that is alive on the face of the earth today. It's a free gift that he's offered to every one of us. And just so you know, it is a gift that stands all on its own. Let me show you a verse that literally says it's a gift. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, if you don't want to receive the gift of eternal life, if, if you want to just pay for your own sins by yourself, God will let you, but God doesn't want that for your life. That's why the Father sent his only son to be the payment for your sin, because the payment for our sin is death, but it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first gift is eternal life, and it's the best gift. It really is. It, is. it is the best gift. You can't receive any of the other gifts if you don't receive the first gift of eternal life. And if this is the only gift you receive today, I want you to know you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. You're, you're going you're gonna to be able to make it one day walking on the streets of gold. One day you're going to walk in a place where you're fit. You're in perfect shape. You're going to have incredible knowledge and understanding. You're going to probably literally be able to think and be on Jupiter and be on different planets. I mean, it's going to be incredible what's going to take place. But listen, while you will make heaven, there's still the chance that you could live in hell on earth. Because we see it all the time. Followers of Jesus Christ that are literally going through hell in their life. So God doesn't want us to stop at this gift. But again, it's a gift that stands all on its own because this gift is free. It can't be earned. It can't be deserved. Before you give your life to Christ or after you give your life to Christ. See, a lot of people, when, I, when I've talked to people in the past and a lot of people that I talk to when I say, hey, do you want to receive Christ in their life? They say, yeah, let me get myself straightened up first. Let, let me get myself taken care of and then I'll receive Jesus into my life because then I'll be deserving of receiving Christ into my, into my life. And, and God says, no, you can't do that. You can't do anything to receive Christ into your life. But here's where most of us fall into. After we actually receive Christ in our life, we think that we still have to do things to now earn or deserve what Christ freely gave to us. Listen, you can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't be kind enough. You can't cheer for the cowboys enough. You can't do any of that stuff and earn the free gift of salvation. It is simply a free gift that God has given to every one of you. Amen. You can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. In fact, Ephesians 2 puts it this way. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's by grace, the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God that you've been saved through faith. Not through your feelings, but simply by faith. God, my faith is in you. My confidence is in you. And this is not from yourselves, but it is what? The gift of God. It's a free gift, not by works so that no one can boast. Okay, Richie, we get it. Salvation is a free gift, not something we can't earn or deserve. Why are you sharing this with us? Because the next gift has some participation attached to it. Again, if you want to walk in the fullness of what God has for you, there's some participation. In fact, this next gift has to do with the fact that God has a purpose, a plan, and a destiny on your life. There are some of you that have bought into the lie of the enemy that you are disqualified from the purpose, the plan, and the destiny that God had for your life because you have made some mistakes. 
Because you blew it somewhere. You made a wrong choice and now you're believing that, well, I'm going to walk in part of the destiny or I'm really not qualified anymore for the destiny. I want you to know that your behavior has never changed God's plan or destiny for your life. And God's got a purpose, a plan, and a design for your life. That's why, again, the first gift of eternal life is a standalone gift by itself. We can't do anything to receive it. But the second one requires our participation. Here's what the second gift, and it's the one we've been talking about, the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see it as a gift in Acts chapter 1. Jesus is talking, and he's telling his disciples, listen, I've gone to the cross. I've paid for your sins. I've I've taken care of of you being right with me in eternity, eternal life. But watch this, what he tells them in Acts 1-4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for what? The gift, let's try that again, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, that's a, a type of salvation, but in a few days you will be baptized, and notice that it's a separate experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about the baptism experience, where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But today I want to talk about this word charismatic or charis, and it's a, it's a Greek word, which is the language of the New Testament, and it's attached to the third gift that God has for every one of us, and it's this. This is the third gift God has for you, spiritual gifts. Aren't you glad you came today? Man, you are walking out of here with three gifts. Some of you have already received the gift of eternal life. Some of you are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now you're going to understand about the, the spiritual gifts that God wants to give you. And just so you know, there's a lot of confusion about this too. But here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And, for, and unfortunately, a lot of people are ignorant about this. doesn't mean they're dumb, all right? Just so you think... That's, that's so mean. Ignorant just means you don't know. They're, they're ignorant about the Holy Spirit and about spiritual gifts. And part of this is because there were some of you that were raised under the teaching that spiritual gifts died out with the last apostle. That when the last apostle died, John the Revelator, when he died, spiritual gifts ended. But listen, if one miracle has happened since the last apostle died, and just so you know, there have been a lot of them, There have been a lot of them in my life, miracles that God has done that I stand back all the time going, wow, all of this in heaven too? Y'all ever get that way about living for God? You're going, man, this is stinking awesome, right? If, If one miracle had happened, then the gifts haven't ceased. Because the great physician is still in business. Listen, he's not closed shop. He still does miracles. He still moves in our lives. And this is the the thing that we want to talk about. He still wants to give to every one of us spiritual gifts. He still wants to be operating in our lives. Now, not everyone has bought into the mindset that spiritual gifts died with the last apostle. Most people just get turned off by some of the packaging that they see that is associated with spiritual gifts. They get a little turned off going, okay, you know, what, what's that all about? It, that kind of freaks me out. I, I'm, that's not for me. Listen, in fact, most people don't have a problem with spiritual gifts. They just have a problem with one of them, and that is speaking in tongues. It's the thing that freaks people out. Listen, they wouldn't mind having the gift of faith, 
They wouldn't ha- mind having the gift of serving or the gift of mercy or the gift of leadership. In fact, there are about 27 of them mentioned in the New Testament. And by the way, I don't think that's designed to be an exhaustive list. I think that God is constantly wanting to give gifts that we can't even maybe necessarily put a name on. But speaking in tongues, people have been taught to avoid. But listen to me. As your pastor, you don't ever need to avoid anything that God wants to give to you. I know, again, some of you are thinking, oh, what are they going to do? Are they bringing out the snakes? No, we're not. You don't ever need to be afraid of something that God wants to give you. In fact, I don't think anything that God has for us, just because we're ignorant of it, needs to be treated like weird or crazy or be afraid of it. And if God has a gift for you, I can promise you that it's good and it's for your good. And at the same time, we shouldn't focus just on one gift. All the gifts that God has for you are good, and he wants you to have them. In fact, here's how the Bible says it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Each one of you here today, you've been given a spiritual gift. Now, why is that? So that I can show off? Say, hey, check out my gift. Look right here. Who's awesome at this gift? This guy, right? (laughs) It's not about that. It's not about showing off. In, In fact, it's not... Not for you to exalt you. You have to remember that when, when Jesus is, is in our life and we're going, people, people respond with amazing things when we're operating in our gift. They do, and they're like, wow, you're, that's so amazing. But we need to remember that it's not about me, it's about the giver of the gift. Y'all remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey and there was a lot of cheering going on? You know what that donkey probably thought? Check me out. They're all about me. So anytime you think you're all that in a bag of chips, just remind you, you might be a donkey. And it's God working in your life that's making the difference. So he gives each one of us a gift. Again, so we can show up, no, but so that we can help each other. He's put a gift inside of you so that as part of the body of Jesus Christ, you can be a part that helps each other. And, and just say this real fast about our spiritual gift too, because we do get prideful sometimes with our spiritual gift. We think, well, I I really have the gift of giving. What's wrong with you people? Why don't you want to give? Now, we all should give, but some of you have the gift of giving. The gift of serving. Some of you have the gift of serving. When anything needs done, I mean, you're just there. Your sleeves are rolled up. You're doing it. We're going like, hey, this is your first week. Are you supposed to be doing that? But thank you very much. We all should serve. Every one of us should be serving. But some of you have the gift of serving, and what we need to be careful of is not think that because we have a gift, everyone else naturally operates in that gift, and we get angry and frustrated with them when they're not operating in the level that we're operating in our gift. Y'all picking up what I'm laying down today? So this is important. So we do this so that we can help each other. You see, there's an assignment. There's a, a purpose or a mission, if you will, that's attached to the spiritual gift that God gives you. It's not for you. It's not for you to exalt yourself. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. And I think the enemy, and I'm talking about the devil, will do everything that he can to make sure that you never understand your gifting. And if you do understand your gifting, that you'll never walk in your gifting. Because if you do, you literally could change the world. Are you saying the entire world? Possibly. But I'm really saying your world. The the world that we have here. You know, every, every week we have people that give their life to Christ. 
Every week we have people who are coming, coming into our services that are literally at their wits end. They're ready to give up on their marriage, ready to give up on, on believing God, whatever it would be. And yet because the power of God shows up in this life and because we're operating in our gift, they walk out changed. It's not my preaching. It's not the worship. It's the power of God working through us that is impacting people's lives. Because he's given us a gift so that we can help each other. Listen, in the Old Testament, there were just a few people that had these gifts. They were the prophets and the priests. They were the only ones that had the gifts. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, it was poured out on both Jewish and non-Jewish people. And what that meant was the gift of the Spirit was not just for the professional ministers anymore. It wasn't just for the leaders. It's for everyone that every one of us are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And when we start working together, the body functions well. Have you ever had surgery on some part of your body, uh, something that got messed up? You know how that took you down. Listen, any time a part of the body of Jesus Christ is missing, it causes the body of Christ to not function at its full capacity. Several years ago, right after Pam and I got married, I had... Um, knee surgery, a ligament got torn in, in, my, in my knee. And I actually used to be a pretty decent athlete. But today I've got a vertical jump of about like that, you know. And I don't even play basketball anymore because my boys just embarrass me so much. But what happens is sometimes we're the missing part in the body of Christ. And we think, well, it looks like the body's doing fine without us. Listen, we don't want to function on half capacity, a third capacity, or even 95% capacity. We want to be functioning on full capacity. We want everyone being a part of what it is that God has called you to do to be a part of what God's called you to do. So it's not just for professional ministers anymore. But somehow, even after the day of Pentecost, the church lost sight of that. And ministry was just left to a few leaders. And then in the 1500s, an event took place. It was called the Protestant Reformation. And what was reestablished in the church was the priesthood of all believers. That you don't have to go to someone else to hear for God from God. You don't have to go to someone else to operate in your gift. You're a priest for God. That you get to operate in the fullness of what it is that God has for you. And they discovered that the presence of God and the power of God lives inside of every believer. Some of you are going, it's not inside of me. I'm telling you, it is inside of you. It may be a little bit dormant right now because you don't believe and receive this, but it's inside of you today. And for some reason through the years, the church continues to lose sight of this powerful understanding. And even though there are awakenings of the Holy Spirit, as the, but the church keeps losing sight of the fact that God has given to each and every one of us incredible spiritual gifts. There's this incredible gift on the inside of you, and it's so that we can serve others. And it isn't, again, just for the professionals that are fortunate enough, like, my, like myself, to do this full time. It's for all of us. In fact, it's one of the things that I love about this church, that not only do we honor God and glorify God, just so you know, this, this is, anything we're doing is never about Amarillo Fellowship. It, it's not about me. It's not about, it, it's, this church isn't about me as the lead pastor. It's not about the pastoral staff. Because you see, we're just people on the dream team too. We are. We're walking in the purpose and destiny that God has for, for us. And just so you know, I'm not any more special than you are. Some of you are afraid to say amen because you're like, eh, should we say amen or <laughs> yes, you are special. I'm not any more special than you are. Listen, I am one of you. I'm just someone who is doing my part to feed you and to lead you. 
That's, that's the responsibility that God has put on me, to feed you the word of God, to lead you, to, to lead you to the fullness of what God has for you. God has put inside of me this gift to do this. But listen, he's also put inside of me the desire to help you discover the gift that God has put on the inside of you. So that when you walk in that, you're going to be fulfilled in your life. We live in a world that we have everything. I'm, I'm serious. We have everything. As Americans, we don't realize how blessed we are. You know, there's a group going to Brazil here in just a few months. And even though that country is not necessarily a third world country, you're going to be amazed at how blessed we are. We have everything. And yet we are the most unfulfilled people in the world. And the reason is, is there is a God hole in our life. There's a purpose hole in our life. And we keep trying to stick money into it, career into it, relationships into it, addictions into it. And we keep wondering, why is this not fulfilling? It's because you have a purpose and a destiny that God has put inside of you that when you walk in it, you are fulfilled in your life. You walk in the destiny that God has for you. So I want to encourage those of you today that have been sitting on the bench Maybe you got hurt somewhere or you, you know, just got tired. Listen, get back in the game. There's a destiny on you. There's a purpose on you. Because listen, we want to be a church where the gifts of the Spirit are operating and flowing through every one of us. You will impact and touch people that I will never touch and impact. It's amazing the influence you have. In fact, it's one of the things we encourage our leaders all the time is to understand that that leadership thing is not just happening when you're on the platform. It's happening all the time because leadership is simply influence. And when you encourage other people to be faithful to the house of God or you encourage other people in their walk with God to understand who they are in Christ Jesus, you speak life into them like I never could. So we want this operating in all of us that we're making the impact that God's called us as a church to do. And it's this, we are a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We're not here to tell people what, what they're doing wrong or how to live. We're simply here to spread the love and hope of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that our world needs today, it's love unconditional, unbridled love. And listen, if you're going to try to do that in yourself and in your flesh, you're going to miss the mark almost every time. But when you start connecting with the um, unbridled love of God and how perfectly he loves you and you become filled with that unconditional love, that's the thing that empowers you to give unconditional love away. Our world needs hope. They do. I know that there are some of you that even have walked in here this morning and you feel hopeless. That what you're dealing with, what you're facing today, you're looking at the situation and you're going, I don't think it's going to work out this time. The devil, by the way, is always trying to steal your hope. Because if he can steal your hope, he'll get you to stop believing in the promises of God. But as long as there is hope in the future, there's power in the present for you to trust God, believe God, and walk in the fullness of what God has for you. So we're a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope that's found in Christ Jesus. And listen, this isn't just something that I'm supposed to do. God's called me to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's not something just a few leaders over there are supposed to do. It's something that we're all supposed to do. And when we do it, we change the atmosphere and the culture of the world that God's placed us in. I know a lot of you think that your Facebook posts are going to change the world. Just so you know, all those negative posts do nothing but make people mad and make people angry with Christians. What we need to do is we need to be the love and hope of Jesus Christ. 
and understand that we have a responsibility inside of the world that God's placed us in to say, look, I'm going to be the love and hope to the very best of my ability. Pastor Richie, I won't always do it right. I'm telling you, some of the best impact that you'll make in people's lives is when you fail and you apologize for failing. You're right, I said that wrong. I apologize. You know what? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's not the way that I act. So will you please forgive me? I'm telling you, that, that will give you um, um, miles and miles of, of just revenue with them, if you will, deposit into their life of understanding that as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't claim to be perfect. We just claim to know the one that is perfect, and we're following him and pursuing him. So let me close with this and share with you a couple places in the Bible, three places in the Bible that spiritual gifts are found. In fact, if you don't mind, I know it's summer and some of your kids are going, I'm not doing that. I'd like to give you a little bit of homework. And that's, I'd like you to write down these passages of Scripture and, and sometime this week or in the next several weeks, just at your own convenience, get there and read those chapters and begin to understand the spiritual gifts. There, there's possibly some, as you're reading them, they're going to come alive to and you're going to go, wow, that's amazing. Here it is right up here, Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. In, in that, we see, begin to see some of the spiritual gifts that God has for us. And, and I want to encourage you again just to understand that these are gifts that God wants to give to you. So I want to invite you to take a journey. I know that some of you are, again, way over here and you don't understand the goodness of God. You, you, you don't get it. You don't, you don't understand the goodness. You've never given your life to Christ. Some of you have received the gift of eternal life, but you don't really understand the Holy Spirit and what you know really freaks you out. All the way to people who are over here that have have walked in this revelation and understanding for a long time. And I want to say this about that real fast. God does not reveal things for you and I to be arrogant about the things that he reveals to us. If you have more revelation of God in in a particular area than other people, it does not make you better than other people. Y'all really need to hear that. Because again, growing up in a Pentecostal background, there, there were people that were over here that had a great revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their lives, but they were so arrogant and so mean about it that they acted like, if you don't get this, then you don't really understand anything at all. That's not what God's called us to do. You know what God's called us to do is to take your next step. Take your next step saying, God, I, I want you in my life. God, I want, I want more of you. If you've got some gifts for me, I don't understand them. They may freak me out a little bit. But God, I want all of you. I want all of you in my life because I believe in your goodness. I understand that you're a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of your children. I understand today that because I'm hidden in Christ Jesus, that I am highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. And so because of that, I want everything that you have for me. And I'm telling you, when you start walking in the destiny, just at your own journey, taking those steps one at a time. For some of you, it's join the growth track. For some of you, it's get in a connect group. Some of you, it's just get more plugged in, get more involved, or, or just go to the Word of God like I've talked to you, to, encouraged you to do this week. And look in these passages in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and say, okay, God, I, I want to understand what it is that you're saying. And open up your heart and let the Holy Spirit breathe fresh life into you. I'm telling you, what you're going to discover is you're going to find peace in your life like you've never understood before because you're walking smack dab in the middle of the destiny that God has for you. And what the enemy wants to do, and I'm going to close with this, is he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. He wants to keep you from ever discovering it in the first place. And if you do, he doesn't want you to walk in it. 
you've got to understand that Jesus came that you might have life to the full. So I want to pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.